I'm grateful that you're here today. And uh, you can go ahead and find three people. Say you look great today. You look great today. Three people. And you can find a seat this morning. I heard somebody say, I look great today. That was not the assignment. If you have a Bible today, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter number 2. We're going to start reading here in just a moment in verse number 8. If you don't have a Bible today, there should be a Bible somewhere in the seat backs in front of you. And you can use that Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, that Bible is our gift to you. And you can take that home. And we want you to be able to have a copy of God's Word that you can read on a daily basis. And today we are continuing on in a series that we started last week that we're calling Christmas Mixtape. And we're studying the original soundtrack of Christmas. How many of you enjoy Christmas music? Anybody like that? We're studying the original Christmas music, okay? And last week we looked at the song of Zechariah. And this week we're going to look at perhaps the most famous Christmas song in the Bible, the song of the angels uh, from Luke chapter number two. And we're going to see how it applies to our lives today. And so Luke chapter two, if you have a Bible, and we're going to start reading in verse number eight. The Bible says this, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Everybody say, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, and here's the song, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. Everybody say returned. They returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Today, for a few minutes, I want to speak to this subject. It's stuck in my head. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, it's stuck in my head. Let's have a word of prayer together. God, thank you so much for this time that we have to worship you. God, thank you for the families that came today to dedicate their children. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do through the Heart for the House offering. Lord, we want to give you praise and glory that you deserve. God, I pray that for the next few minutes, we will be able to focus in on this chapter of Luke that tells so beautifully of your birth. And God, I pray that we can glean the truths that you would have for us. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit to give me the words to say. And we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
How many of you have ever had a song that was just stuck in your head and you couldn't get it out? Anybody like that? Uh, in our household, we have three young children, and so we have a couple of different soundtracks that are constantly on repeat in our household. And our kids know how to use Alexa, and so they constantly are asking Alexa to play a few things. The first one that they love to play is The Greatest Showman. Anybody Greatest Showman soundtrack fans? Okay, uh, several of you. Uh, the next one that they love to play is the troll soundtrack, okay? Can't stop this feeling. Like, we sing that. It's on repeat in our household. Uh, the kids are like, Dad, let's have a dance party. Troll soundtrack begins to play. But probably the most repeated soundtrack that our children always request over the years has been the Frozen soundtrack. Not Frozen to the original, the first Frozen. And uh, I'm just going throughout my day sometimes. It's not uncommon for me just to be humming, let it go in my head as I'm just kind of going throughout the day. That song is just stuck in my head. And when we come to Luke chapter number two, we find this group of people, the shepherds, and they had a song stuck in their head. And this song that was stuck in their head was sung by the angels. We read it in verse number 14. In fact, let's read it again in verse number 14. It says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That was the song. But when you fast forward to verse number 20, it says this, and the shepherds returned. Now, when they were going back home, when they were returning back home, they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. As they were returning back to the field and going back home, now they had a song stuck in their head. Now they had a new melody in, in their heart, and it was the song that the angels were singing, declaring glory for the King of kings and Lord of lords that had just been born in Bethlehem, they had this new song stuck in their head. Now, what makes this song so special, it was the song that was announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. There's a relatively new phenomenon in our culture where uh, the parents will choose a birthing song for their child. As they're uh, giving birth and they want to welcome their child into the world, sometimes they'll choose a birthing song. How, any parents in here choose a birthing song for your kids? Okay, not, not that many. We did not choose a birthing song, not because we're against it necessarily, but because we didn't even know that was a thing. We didn't know that was an option that, that people did. If I were to have known about that, I probably would have chosen that song that says, I'm coming out, let's get this party started. That would have been the perfect, perfect song to welcome into the world, right? And so uh, parents will often choose a birthing song. Well, in Luke chapter 2, the verses that we just read, this is really the birthing song for Jesus. In fact, this idea of the birthing song isn't even new to us anyways. All the way back in the first century, when a Jewish family would give birth to a child, they would hire some local musicians to come and to play some soft instrumental music for the family and for the new child that was born. Well, Jesus did not have a traditional birth, and so he did not have the traditional local band come in to play a few tunes, but he had something far greater because he had a heavenly choir filled with angels singing praises to his name. And so we see that the angels come together, they sing this song, and it's a beautiful song. Now, the content lyrically of this song is really centered on one idea, peace. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And uh, the reason the angels could sing peace on earth is because Jesus was on earth, right? And Jesus is the personification of peace. And so if Jesus is on earth, then therefore peace is on earth. And so it was a beautiful song about peace. Now, peace was something particularly interesting in the first century culture because it was something that they all desired. Peace was a, a topic of conversation that was constantly coming up. This was during the time, if you know historically, that the Pax Romana was just signed. This was the famous or infamous Roman peace treaty uh, that introduced a relatively uh, peaceful new system. The, the irony of the Pax Romana is that it was required of the Roman soldiers to enforce it. And so they wanted peace, but they didn't often experience 
true peace. And I thought about that, and I thought the same is true in our culture today. So many people want peace. Uh, We want peace in our relationships. We want peace in family. We want peace at church. We want peace uh, in our community, in our hearts, in our lives. It's something that we often desire, but peace often eludes us. And we're not sure where to find it. In fact, uh, just a couple of months ago in October, USA Today, uh, they reported this study that Gallup uh, polls put out. And it was talking about uh, the thrill of life or the calmness of life. And they determined in their study that 16% of the people that were polled in the United States said that they would rather live an exciting life than a calm life. But then 72% of people said they'd much prefer a calm life over an exciting life. Uh, Like, I just want to have peace. Like, I don't need all the thrills. I just want to have a calm life. Of course, 10% said they wanted both because some people just want to have their cake and eat it too, right? I want to live an exciting life and a calm life at the same time. But, But here's the idea, that peace is something that we're often desperate and longing for, but we don't know where to find it. And today, if we're going to experience true peace in our lives, we have to understand that true, lasting, eternal peace is found only in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this was the message of the angels. This was the song that they were singing. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and goodwill toward men. And so in this Christmas season, what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to give us four ways that I believe we can experience peace. If you'd like, how many of you today would say, I'm... I'm just a little bit interested in peace. Anybody like that? Okay, even just a little bit. If you're interested in peace, let me give you four ways today from the word of God that we can experience peace. If you're ready today, would you say amen? Number one is this. If we're going to experience peace, number one, we have to recognize who Jesus is. We have to have a revelation of who Jesus is. You know, A.W. Tozer said that uh, when, uh, when God comes to mind, what you think about when God comes to mind is the most important thing about you. And so what do you believe about God? Who who do you believe that God is? Who do you believe that Jesus is? Because in this narrative, we're going to have a clear picture of who Jesus is. Now, to understand a little bit of the context, uh, let's start in verse number 8, and we will work our way through it. But let's start in verse number 8. It says this. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And so we're introduced to the shepherds in the Christmas story. A lot of times the shepherds can be the overlooked part in the Christmas story. Like if you were in the Christmas play growing up as a child and you were cast to be a shepherd, it probably wasn't because you were a great actor or actress. It was probably because you needed to be in the background, right? Uh, That was the shepherd's role. Well, we're introduced to the shepherds, and what we discover about them uh, is that they were faithful in what they were called to do. Uh, Notice in verse 8, they were abiding in the field. That speaks to their dedication. The word abiding means to remain. They were out in the field uh, abiding. This was not a glamorous position. It was not something that was very exciting, but they abided in the field, keeping watch over their flocks. That spoke to their diligence. They were uh, constantly looking for uh, uh, anything that might attack these uh, sheep, keeping watch over their flock by night. That speaks to the dangerous aspect of this job, that there would have been uh, elements that could have posed a threat uh, to them uh, at night. And so we find the shepherds, And they were faithful in their assignment. And because they were faithful in their assignment, God showed up and decided through the angels to announce his birth to the shepherds. Which, by the way, is a beautiful picture of the grace of God. Because in this culture, uh, shepherds were 
uh, despised, as, as we will see today. Uh, the shepherds were uh, considered the outcasts of society. No one wanted to spend time with a shepherd, but God decided to show up and to announce his birth to the shepherds. Why? Because God's grace is available to all men. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter where you come from, what side of the tracks. God's grace is available to all men. This is the good news of the gospel. But the shepherds were the recipients of this message. They were faithful in their assignment. Can I encourage you today? Whatever God has called you to, to be faithful in that assignment. Whether it's glamorous, whether it's particularly exciting for you or not, to be faithful. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. That's the culture in which we live today. Just open up Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and you will find every man proclaiming his own goodness. But then it says this, but a faithful man... Who can find? See, a faithful man, a faithful person, a faithful man or woman of God, that's who God is looking for, faithfulness. Many commentators believe that these shepherds out in the field would have been the same shepherds that were providing the lambs for the sacrificial system at the temple. And if you remember the sacrificial system in the first century at the temple, there was a lamb that was required in the morning, a lamb that was required in the evening, and these shepherds were the ones that were providing these, uh, these lambs for the sacrificial system. William Barclay said this, It is a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world because they were faithful uh, in their assignment. Now, I want you to see verse number 9. Everybody say with me. Verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And so the, the angel shows up and encompasses their presence, and they were sore afraid. Uh, the word sore in the Greek is megos, greatly uh, afraid, phobeo. It means that they were extremely terrified. How many of you have ever been extremely terrified? Anybody like that? Not just a little bit scared, but terrified. Uh, uh, a few days ago, we took our kids to Disneyland, and uh, my youngest daughter, Blakely, uh, we took her on the Matterhorn roller coaster, and uh, she was a little bit nervous about that, but typically, Blakely, she doesn't get too scared of roller coasters. She kind of, as long as I'm with her, she's excited to go on the roller coaster, and she was good to go. We were in the line for Matterhorn until we got to the front, because when we got to the front, she realized that I could not sit next to her and hold her because it was individual riding, single rider only, so I had to be behind her or in front of her. And so we got to that roller coaster, and she started to get really scared. She started to get terrified. She started to cry a little bit. But at that point, we were too far invested. We are like, Blakely, you're riding the ride, right? So we all got in there, and uh, Blakely was crying, and uh, she was kind of screaming as we were going on the ride. But halfway through, something switched. She, she was no longer scared. She just got angry, <laughs> like halfway through the ride. She got angry, and I was sitting behind her, and I was trying to put my arms uh, uh, in front of her to hold her. And she said, I'm never riding on this ride ever again uh, as we were riding. And she was just, she was upset. And uh, She was extremely uh, terrified in that moment. And so now uh, she's never going to ride the Matterhorn ever again, she says. Uh, But she was very, very scared. In this moment, the disciples, or excuse me, the shepherds are extremely terrified. But what brought them peace in the moment of their fear? It's an important question. Because when you're scared in life, when you're filled with fear, by the way, look around in culture today, uh, so often we are functioning by fear, not by faith. And so when we are afraid in life, what brings us peace? Well, what brought the shepherds peace was a recognition of who God is. I want you to see it. Are you still with me? Notice verse 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, notice verse number 11. It's paramount in the gospel of Luke. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior 
which is Christ the Lord. In verse number 11, we find three different distinct titles. He is Savior, Christ, and Lord. It's the only time in all the New Testament that all three titles are used in one place. He's Savior, Christ, Lord. Savior, that he will save his people from their sins, that he's not just going to save us from anxiety. He's not just going to save us from a bad relationship. He's going to save us and deliver us and forgive us from our sins. Savior, he is Christ. Sometimes people think that the word Christ is, is the last name of Jesus, like first name Jesus, last name Christ. But the name Christ is, is not a personal name. It's a title. In the Greek, it means the anointed one. This is the long-awaited Messiah, the consolation of Israel, the one whom the Old Testament prophesied, prophesied uh, the, the one who the Old Testament prophets said would come. And so this is the Christ. So he's Savior. He saves us from our sins. He's Christ. And then he is Lord. This means that he is all sovereign, that he is completely in control. And so Luke gives us this description that the angels give. This, this baby boy, Jesus, he is Savior, Christ the Lord. They have this recognition of who Jesus is. Now, this is extremely important because this is what separates Christianity from every other major religion and worldview. In today, in, in our culture and society today, we have different uh, worldviews uh, based on uh, different things, perspectives and upbringing and background. There are five prominent ones. I want to give us them this morning. The first one is atheism. Uh, atheism says there is no God. There is no God, which um, is actually a pretty bold statement to make, meaning I've searched everywhere. I've looked under every rock. I've determined. I've read every book on it, and I have determined there is no God. An agnostic says there might be a God. I just don't know if he's there. An agnostic is a very honest answer. There might be a God. I'm just not sure. But atheism says there is no God. The next one is deism. This belief in this worldview says there, there is a God, but he's not active and he's not involved in our lives today. Because if there was a God that was active and involved, then why is there so much evil and suffering in our world? Because if there's a God, why doesn't he do something about it? That's deism. There's pantheism, that, that is many Eastern religions where everything is God. The sun is God, the moon is God, the stars are God, the trees are God. Um, everything is God, and God is in everything, everything. That is panantheism. Then there is theism. Theism is the belief that there is a God. That's why we have monotheism, there is one God. We have pantheism or polytheism, there are many gods. And so this is theism. Here's the problem with all of these worldviews. In all of these worldviews, you have to be your own savior. There is no savior. In all of these views, if you want to get to heaven, if you want to have a fulfilled life, an eternal life, then you have to be religious, you have to be a good person, you have to perform, you have to measure up, you have to check all the boxes on the religious scale, and if you do enough, then you can be your own savior. But here's biblical Christianity, notice it. Christianity is this, Jesus is the only God and Jesus is our savior. Can I tell you today that Jesus is not just someone that we kind of just add to the mix? No, Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. Jesus is our savior. He is Christ. He is the Lord of Lords and he is the King of Kings. And the next time you are discouraged, the next time you are looking for peace and you are trying to find some sort of uh, fulfillment or satisfaction in your life, look no further than the person of Jesus Christ. So often the reason we're not experiencing peace is because we've lost sight of who Jesus is. And we want peace. We want a calm life. We, we know that's true. 72% of Americans told the USA Today, we want peace. But so often we're looking in all the wrong places. And if you want to experience peace, just like the shepherds, you have to have a revelation of who Jesus is. He is Savior, Christ, the Lord, God 
incarnate, God becoming man, to go to the cross, to die on the cross for our sins. This is the good news of the gospel. The Bible says in Revelation 19, 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, this was the announcement the angels made. Notice verse number 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What a contrast in that verse from verse 11 and 12, right? In verse number 11, we see the splendor and the majesty of God. He's the, he's the Christ, the Savior, the Lord. And in verse number 12, we see he's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a feeding trough. See, in verse number 12, we see his humility. Aren't you thankful that we worship a different kind of king? A king that the, that the Bible says in Mark came to uh, minister, not to be ministered unto. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible puts it this way in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is our king demonstrating that kind of humility. And so number one today, we have to recognize who Jesus is. This leads us to our second thought today. Number two, we respond in worship. Because when you have a recognition and a revelation of who Jesus is, the only appropriate action is to respond in worship, to worship him for who he is. Now, the question today is not a matter of if we worship. The question is what we worship. Because I want to break it to you, all of us today are worshipers. We're all worshiping something. The word worship simply means to ascribe worth. And so when we ascribe worth and when we uh, put something as first place in our lives, it becomes the object of our worship. Now, Paul gave a, a warning for this in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, verse 24, when he said, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed, everybody say changed, changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. Is not that the culture in which we're living? Worshiping and serving the creature, the created thing, rather than the creator, the God of the universe? Now, it can become anything in our lives. We can worship the created thing. could be sports. It could be a hobby. It could be a career. Uh, it could be uh, all kinds. It could be a political agenda. And if we put that first in our lives, that is the object of our worship, and we are worshiping the created thing rather than the creator. And, and so Paul is warning against this, saying, hey, make sure that you are worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, notice verse number 13. It says this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of a heavenly host, Praising God and saying, and so you have to just picture this scene. A host uh, means an army. So you have this angel army just surrounding them in the field there. If the, if the shepherds were scared at one angel, now they have a whole host, an army of angels surrounding them. And in verse number uh, 14, here's how they respond in worship. Glory to God in the highest. By the way, if you missed it, we sang that exact lyric this morning in our worship service together. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. There's two simple components to this song. Praise for God, peace for men. Praise for God, peace for men. This is what God is looking for. In John chapter 4, verse 23, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth 
For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is looking for true worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. The word spirit is the animating force of a person. We give it our all. We give it our energy and in truth. We make sure that we are worshiping the right things according to the word of God and the right doctrine. But that is what God is looking for. And so often we compartmentalize our worship and we reduce our worship to a sliver on Sunday mornings. And that's worship and everything else is for me. I read a story not too long ago. There was the billionaire Howard Hughes, and after he died, his public relations director asked many of the casinos that he owned, can we have a moment of silence for him? And so they all agreed. They had a moment of silence, 60 seconds for Howard Hughes in all of these casinos. Well, someone was telling the story that one of the casino workers, they were all waiting, kind of an awkward silence. And uh, when the 60 seconds was up, he was kind of looking at his watch, and he said, okay, uh, the 60 seconds are up. He's had his minute. Roll the dice. And he was saying, let's just continue on. And if we're not careful, that is exactly how we will treat God. Let's give him our one hour on Sunday. Okay, he's had his hour, and now I'm going to move on with the rest of my week. And we compartmentalize our worship. Can I tell you that worship is far more than just three to four songs on a Sunday morning? That worship is a way of life, that we worship on a daily basis. That song that we sang, that the angels sang, glory to God in the highest, that's not just a Christmas tune. That's a way of life. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. (laughs) Glory to God in the highest. And so God is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and truth. So we have to have a recognition of who Jesus is. He's Christ, Savior, Lord. Then we respond and worship glory to God in the highest. And here's the third thought today, number three then we recharge our faith. If you want to experience peace, you have to recharge your faith. Now, notice verse number 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. I love the shepherd's faith here. After they hear this announcement from the angels and they sing this beautiful song, Then they said, okay, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing. The word thing in the Greek is this word rhema. Here's what it means, reality. Let us go see this reality that is come to pass. It doesn't say, let's go and see if this has come to pass. Let's go and see this reality that is come to pass. You know what that tells us? That the shepherds responded in faith. When the angels made the declaration, they didn't say, well, I guess we can try to figure this out. Let's go and see if it came to pass. They said, let us go and see this thing, this reality that is come to pass. And they responded in faith. And when you respond in faith, it will unlock the peace of God in your life. When we walk by faith and not by sight. This is what the Bible says over and over again in in Psalm 56, verse number three. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In other words, I'm going to let my faith override my fear. I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. See, when you're looking for peace, when you're struggling in life, that is the time not to run from God, but to run to his word and to cling to his word and say, I'm going to trust in what God said, not in how I feel. Because our feelings lie to us all the time. And so I'm going to trust the truth of God's word. I'm going to praise his word. In God, I have put my trust and I will not fear what the flesh can do unto me. By the way, I love this story for many different reasons, but I believe it's a perfect picture for salvation. Everybody still with me? Because the fact that God chose the shepherds to be the ones to be the recipients of this message speaks to God's grace. Out of all the people that he could have announced it to, he chose the dirty, outcast shepherds. That speaks to God's grace. 
the fact that the shepherds responded in belief, that is a picture of faith. That is exactly how we are saved, by grace, through faith. And today, if you've never received the gift of salvation, maybe you're in here and you're wondering, man, I don't know if I have a real relationship with God. I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. I have some doubt. I'm not really sure. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It's not of our own works. It's not of ourselves. And so this is the, the beautiful picture of salvation today, that you can know that you have a home in heaven because God is so gracious. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be the most religious person and check all the boxes off of the list in order to save you. By his grace, through faith, you can be saved today. Whether you are in the room, whether you are watching online, you can leave this service knowing that you have a relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus. Is not that good news today? This is the good news of the gospel. This is what Christmas is all about. This is the gift of God, the only gift that really matters. I can't remember all what I got for Christmas last year. Actually, I got a Lakers coat from Katie. I I do remember that. But the only gift that really matters is the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, and we can know that by faith. And this leads us to our last thought today. You have one more in you this morning? Number four, we have to relay the message. You have to relay the message. See, those people that have experienced peace on the inside, they have to tell other people about it, right? If you've truly experienced a life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus, you don't sit on a secret like that. You've got to tell people, and that's exactly what happens with the shepherds, okay? Let's look at it, verse 17. And when they had seen it, verse 16, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. So they showed up. They saw what the angel said was true. Which, by the way, I always wonder kind of what Mary and Joseph were thinking when those dirty shepherds showed up. They're like, can I help you? (laughs) And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. They made it known. The Greek word talks about how they, they published it. Everywhere they went, they were talking about what they had seen and what they had heard. They just had to tell people about it. Can I tell you this Christmas season, we have something to say. We have something to tell our community. You know why we're having the Christmas experience next week on the 18th and 19th, Saturday and Sunday, and having the Polar Express train ride and and having hot chocolate and pulling out all the stops? It's not just so that we can have a good time, which I hope we do. The most important thing is that we are inviting people in and telling them how they can know that they have a Savior, Christ the Lord how they can have a real relationship with Jesus. Can I see one of those tickets this morning? The reason why these tickets were on your seat today is not simply for you, although I hope you'll take it and have it as a prayer reminder, put it on your fridge, and pray that God will use next week in our Christmas experience for his glory. But the main reason we put these on the seats today is so that you would give it out. Just like the shepherds that would go and, and, and declare of everything that they had seen and heard to go and to deliver the message. If anybody could have excused themselves and said, no, I can't deliver the message, it would have been the shepherds. Because according to the Talmud, which was essentially a Jewish law book, the shepherds were not even allowed or permitted to testify in a court of law. In other words, nobody wanted to hear what they had to say. And so if anyone could have said, hey, we can't deliver the message, no one's even going to listen to us, it would have been the shepherds. 
but they were so impacted by what they had seen and heard, they just had to tell somebody. I want to encourage you today. Don't let the devil jump on your back and say, no one's going to listen to you. An invite from you won't matter. No. Hey, go out with some boldness and with some courage and tell the world the good news of the gospel message that Jesus was born of a virgin to go to the cross to die for your sins and for my sins so that we could have a home in heaven and worship him and sing glory to God in the highest forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what it's all about. That's what this is about. To give him the praise that he deserves, we have to relay the message. And I love that the shepherds delivered the message and they did it with contentment, with peace in their life. Notice it, the last verse I want, I want us to read today. Verse number 20. And the shepherds returned. They went back. Can you imagine what it was like to go back to the dirty field with the dirty sheep after you had encountered Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, and seen the heavenly choir, the host of angels singing praises to God back to the dirty field? But they were content. They were happy to go back to the field. Why? Keep reading. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. Why could they go back to the field? They had a song stuck in their head. They went back with a new perspective. They went back singing and praising and glorifying God. Can I tell you today that when you go back to work Monday morning, you're going back to the field like the shepherds did. When you go back to the mundane, just know that God often does his greatest work, not in the monumental, but in the mundane. And so we can go back with a song in our heart and a song stuck in our head, a new perspective on life. This is why Paul told the church at Philippi, hey, whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are lovely and true and honest and of good report, think on these things. What was he saying? Get the word of God stuck in your head. And so rather than going with a temporary mindset and just complaining about everything that's going wrong in our lives, how about we go back with a melody in our heart? I believe that blessings come to those that approach the mundane with a melody in their heart, a song stuck in their head, praising God for what he has done in our lives, for his salvation, for his love that he has bestowed upon us. And today, I just want to encourage us as we close today, if you've never prayed and received Jesus Christ as your savior and received that gift, that's what this season is all about. And just like the shepherds, the grace of God came to them, just like the grace of God is available for all of us today, grace means undeserved favor. No matter what your past looks like, no matter what uh, sin you might be trapped into, God's grace is available today. The only question is, will we respond by faith? Just like the shepherds. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, if you believe on the name of Jesus Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved today. You can walk out of these doors knowing with the assurance of the word of God that you are saved and have a home in heaven. If you're watching online, Facebook, YouTube, you can know for sure today that you have a home in heaven. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things are written, speaking of the word of God. The reason we have this is so that you may know that you have eternal life, that you don't have to wonder, hope, guess, think. You can know, you can be confident. It doesn't mean you're confident and know everything in life. It doesn't mean you have all of life figured out and all of your questions answered, but you can be confident in what the Bible says about eternal life and have a home in heaven. And so today as we close, I wanna encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes.